uh, ends up being prominent in my mind and the big lesson that I learned from uh, Numbers chapter 12 is centered on jealousy. Uh, what it is to be jealous. And I actually, uh, I forgot to include this in my outline, so I wanted to read it um, from Google before I forget. When I was dealing with uh, Numbers chapter 12 and I was trying to wrap my brain around uh, this idea of jealousy and what it is, I kept coming to this idea of like jealousy is the same as envy. You know, they, they seem like synonyms. If I'm envious of someone or something, I'm jealous of it. And I think in many ways they are synonyms. But I found this, uh, this delineation, this uh, specification of the two helpful. Envy is a two-person situation, whereas jealousy is a three-person situation. Envy is a reaction to lacking something. Jealousy is a reaction to the threat of losing something, usually someone. This means when you are feeling jealous, you are often feeling envious as well. But not all the time you're feeling envious. Are you necessarily jealous? So hopefully that makes sense. And so I had this discussion from Numbers chapter 12 oriented on jealousy because I feel like that is what's happening here. Um, Miriam and Aaron, and hopefully I'll continue to mention them in that order because that seems to be the order that they're placed in this chapter. Um, come to God and to Moses definitely envious but particularly jealous of some things that have happened. You'll remember in Numbers chapter 11, uh, there's some events that take place that I'll highlight here in a moment that kind of set off the events of Numbers 12. But before we get there, um, I want to actually look in Exodus chapter 4. So kind of hold your finger in Numbers 12. We're going to go back a book uh, or so. In Exodus chapter 4, a little bit of background, Aaron being Moses' brother, right? In fact, when Moses is sent by God to begin his God-ordained work among the people, uh, Moses is really hesitant to take on that task. And when God is having a conversation about Moses, Moses is like, look, I'm not a good speaker. I don't really want to do this. And so God gives his brother Aaron to him as sort of his mouthpiece, we might say it that way. And in Exodus chapter 4, look at verse 15, it says this, You shall speak to him and put words Put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And this is talking about Aaron is going to be the mouthpiece of Moses. God's going to tell Moses what he needs to know. Moses is going to relay that to Aaron, and Aaron's going to do the public speaking. right? And the relationship there is that Aaron should view Moses as God. And I don't think he's supposed to worship Moses, but what he says, he needs to take it seriously as if, as it was, coming from God. Right? So Aaron, you could say this in the most literal sense, was a prophet of God. He was getting the message from God and speaking it to the people. If you fast forward a few chapters in Exodus chapter 15... This is what we learn about Miriam, uh, sister of their family. And uh, in verse 20 of chapter 15, it says this about her. Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And, 
And this is after chapter 15. The Egyptians are killed in the, the flood of the Red Sea that God brings down upon them after the Israelites cross on dry land. And Miriam has this wonderful song of praise that she sings to God. And it's mentioned there in verse 20, much like Aaron, she's a prophetess, right? So you have a family of prophets and prophetesses, right? And so when we think about Numbers chapter 11, if you want to go ahead and get back to that place in Numbers, what we're dealing with here, one, is a family issue. We have a brother and a sister coming against a brother with a complaint, with some jealousy and envy. But we also have an issue, and I think this is the heart of it, that they are prophets and prophetesses themselves, their selves. And, and they feel as though maybe some of their authority, some of the prestige is being, that they have or should have is being trampled on. right? And so we're going to talk about that in a moment. But think about Numbers 11. Moses is dealing with people who keep complaining and they can keep grumbling against God. And Moses is kind of, in different moments, kind of throwing his hands up in the air, thinking, what am I going to do with these people? In different moments, he's defending them before God, saying, please don't destroy them. In different moments, he himself is getting frustrated and kind of uh, complaining to God, like, how am I going to handle this? And that's kind of Numbers 11. He comes to God and is saying, what am I going to do with these people? And God says, you know what, I'm going to supply you in verse 16 of chapter 11 with 70 elders who have my spirit that are going to help you kind of discern and judge the people, right? What's interesting in that context is that Moses is shown as bearing the burden of the people. He's spoken to and catered to exclusively. He's given special treatment. These 70 elders are to alleviate the burden of Moses, right? Which in chapter 11 is a beautiful thing. God is very gracious in giving that to him uh, and teaching Moses to rely on help from God and the Spirit itself. But when we get to Numbers chapter 12, it seems Moses and Aaron have taken some exception to this special treatment that Moses has been getting. Um, and while some of these things are never ex explicitly said in the text, I think it's pretty fair to kind of read between the lines in the context of Numbers 11 and see that's what's going on. Um, particularly, let's look again in verses 1 and 2 here of chapter 12. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the, in some translations say Ethiopian, others are going to say Cushite, woman whom he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Of course the Lord heard it, right? He's the Lord. Chapter 11 taught us he hears complaints of his people, right? But did you notice verse 1 is kind of out of left field? They're like complaining against Moses about the, the woman he's married to. You have no indication before this that that was ever a problem. You have no indication after this that it remained a problem. It just kind of pops up here. And it's really not even dealt with. Verse 1 is it. That's all it's mentioned. Then you get to more of the heart of the issue in verse 2. Right? Hasn't God spoken to us as well? Um, has he only spoken through Moses? Exodus 4, no. Exodus 15, no. Both Aaron and Miriam had been prophets or prophetesses in their own right. 
So now we're asking the question not, have they? Has God only used Moses? That's clearly not true. So why would they bring that up? And you kind of get to this idea that I came to is that they're jealous. They're envious of the position that Moses is in right now. You know, you might ask yourself, uh, what, what's the big deal about jealousy, you know? Uh, and I would say that this is jealousy, right? They see that they're lacking something, but as our definition included earlier, it's a three-person thing. It's not just that they see themselves, they see a thing, they're lacking it, that's envy. They see Moses as having the thing that they want, right? And that's jealousy. The third party is involved, right? And so... What's the big danger about jealousy? I think there's a lot of potential ways to answer this. Um, Obviously, God's character is described as being jealous. So you might be like, well, jealousy can be a good thing. And I think in certain contexts, perhaps so, like God is jealous. He wants our adoration. He wants our worship. But we're also not God. And so we have to be much more careful with these types of emotions. I mean, their anger can be a righteous thing. But did you know anger is also attributed to sin very closely? And he says, you know, you can be angry, but you got to be careful to not sin. And I think jealousy is very similar. There are times where we need, we could be jealous righteously, but it's a really slippery slope, right? Because jealousy inherently for us often is tied to self, right? I feel something, I want something. And if I'm not careful, that controls my actions, my thinking, right? In fact, I think uh, in Matthew 27, you don't have to turn there. I'll just read the verse. It says this. This is Jesus, for he, Jesus, knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. That is the potential of envy or jealousy. That's what killed Jesus. Now, there's a lot of different ways that I think you can attribute this fairly, but Jesus specifically ties in his mind jealousy or envy for the reason that he is delivered to be killed. That's the potential of jealousy in your life. It can lead you down a road that in the worst possible context, you end up killing Jesus. That's how powerful jealousy can be. And so I think that's why we need to learn the lesson from Numbers 12. I'm sure all of you, when you heard Numbers 12, you said, yes, Numbers is my favorite book. It's named after numbers. (laughs) But this story, hopefully, uh, you can relate to. You can see the value in as we continue to talk about it. So I'm going to talk about two sides of jealousy. One side is Miriam and Aaron's side, being jealous, right? Being the jealous one, or ones in this case. And then obviously the other side, and I kind of wrestled with how to phrase this. I settled on an imperfect phrasing, but is Moses' side, and he's kind of the recipient of jealousy or jealous actions, right? Like it's, it's aimed at him. So there's the kind of the two sides of it. And so often when we think of jealousy, we think of me, like my battle with jealousy, not being jealous, and we're going to talk about that. But also I want to talk about if you're the recipient of someone's jealousy and how we can handle that, right? Okay, so beginning with Miriam and Aaron, look at verse 1 again. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. And again, this is about that woman that he married that has nothing to do with anything, really. (laughs) But isn't that how jealousy works? It's like if you have a reason to be envious of someone else, you're going to find ways to just kind of nitpick and degrade them, right? You're just going to 
find something. You know what? This is the perfect time to bring up that thing that kind of always bothered me, right? Or that isn't what, how I would have done it. Or isn't the life that I would live or the choice that I would make. Or just isn't as good as what I've done or how I think, right? That's what Miriam and Aaron are doing there. It seems like they're just kind of saying things because this fuel within them of jealousy is saying, he's not better than us. Proof, look at the woman he married, right? Which has nothing to do with anything. Jealousy is in total control of Miriam and Aaron in this moment. You know, they had a choice to make. Feeling jealous is one thing. We're humans. We have flesh. We have temptation. We're going to feel that sometimes. It's another thing to act on it. It's another thing to say, I'm jealous of Moses, and so I spoke against him. Right? They could have felt jealousy and never spoke against Moses. Right? And so I think one big lesson that we need to, to, to take to heart is that when we feel jealousy, much like sin in general, right, it wants to be master over you. That's what uh, God told uh, Cain when he was feeling jealous of his brother's offering and his offering was accepted and Cain's was not. And God said, hey, sin is crouching at the door and it wants to be master over you. That's what jealousy does. It wants to master you and control you. And so, unfortunately for Miriam and Aaron, it seems like they didn't put up much of a fight. The text says they just speak against Moses, right? And of course, when jealousy controls you, what's going to come from that conflict, right? When you allow jealousy to control you, you speak against someone, it's going to create conflict. And so ultimately in verse 2, the real thing comes out. They begin complaining about what's really eating them up, right? They complain about God's relationship with Moses, maybe the exclusivity of it, the, the preferential treatment it seems like he's getting. Were we not prophets as well? We know they were. But Moses, and rightly so, God picked him to be special. And who are they to fight that? You know, I, I don't want to look at this lesson and say, you know what? They were equal to Moses. They were all prophets. They weren't. That was just the bottom line. Moses was a prophet of God in the same vein that they were, but God had exalted Moses to be leader of the people and have a special relationship with him, which God talks about and will talk about in a moment. It just was. It's what God chose. And... It could be a source of jealousy, and unfortunately it was, for Miriam and Aaron. And so they complain against Moses. You know what jealousy wants to do? It wants to control you, and then it wants to create in you an us versus them. Isn't that how it works? Like jealousy is by nature, there's me and there's you, and we're opposed. And like you can't have something if I want it, and if I'm going to have it, that means you can't have it. And so it creates this dynamic where it's me or you. It can't be both of us, and it certainly isn't going to be neither of us, right? One of us is going to have this thing. That's what Miriam and Aaron seem to reveal about themselves is that their jealousy, their envy is in control. They complain against Moses because they're seeing him as an enemy. It's either us or the, him, and it seems like he's winning, he has the relationship with God. God's using him the most. Well, that's not fair. 
are we not just as much prophets as Moses? It's either him or me, right? And I think this reflects really, uh, how to say this, a fundamental misunderstanding of self-worth. You know, like, in this moment, Miriam and Aaron are saying, is Moses better than us? If I'm going to sum it up, that's how I'm going to say it. Is Moses better than us? Well, why does God's relationship with Moses have any bearing on you being good or bad? You know? Why is your value tied to how God is using Moses? That has nothing to do with you. And so again, this us versus them mentality that jealousy wants to try to control you and put you into really is wrong to begin with. Your worth, your value, your life is not tied to anyone else's in that sense. Your relationship with God doesn't hinge on my relationship with God. And Moses and Aaron are not thinking clearly because jealousy is in control. And so, you know what they decide to do? They decide to take action. They've already spoken against Moses. They've already complained against Moses, reflecting that, you know, when jealousy is in control, it doesn't wait for outside forces to take effect. It takes charge, right? When you're jealous, you're going to make something happen. You're going to speak against somebody else to maybe start whittling them down until you get what you want. You're going to directly complain and confront them about the thing you're jealous of. Is Moses better than us? Right? And bring it to a head. Jealousy is going to force your hand. Right? Well, if you're the jealous ones, just know that jealousy is in control. It's going to set up a you versus them mentality. And it's going to force you to take action. Jealousy is not one of those things that is going to forever just sit idly by. It's going to take action some way or another. Sometimes it's the passive. Let's just complain about this thing. And then the other, or speak against Moses. And then sometimes it's just like, are you better than me? It's more direct. But what if you're Moses? You know, what if you're the recipient of the jealousy? You know, you haven't really done anything wrong necessarily. It's just you're in a position that someone's envious of. You have a thing that someone else wants. Uh, Maybe your life looks better than theirs does, and so you become the object of someone's envy or jealousy. Look at um, how this section begins here as far as Moses' involvement. It actually begins in verse 3. Verses 1 and 2, just Miriam and Aaron doing stuff. They're jealous. They're speaking against. They're complaining. Verse 3 is a commentary. It's not even Moses doing anything. Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. That's like God's commentary on Moses in general. But isn't it interesting that it comes up when people are jealous of him? Like there's, in my mind, a lot of opportunity. I mean, Moses takes up how many chapters of the Bible? His story involves so much. How many opportunities could God offer the commentary Moses was a meek man, which means a gentle man, a humble man, right? Innumerable to me. I mean, you could just go through and insert that in a bunch of stories and it would make a lot of sense. But when people come at Moses with some sort of envy and jealousy, God takes this opportunity to say, Moses was very gentle. He was very humble, right? Which sets up a contrast. For Miriam and Aaron, jealousy controlled them. What's controlling Moses? 
meekness. Meekness. So automatically we know he's going to react to this in a way that is not the same way that Miriam and Aaron have responded to their situation. Right? In fact, let's look at what happens next. Um, let's look at verses 4 through 10. We're going to kind of skim this. Uh, verse 4, Moses still hasn't acted. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron and to Miriam, Come out, you three, to the tent of meeting. And the three of them came out, and the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forward. And he said, God, hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, remember we talked about all three of them are prophets, right? If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all of my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth, clearly and not in riddles, and he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you afraid to speak against why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And when the cloud removed from over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous like snow. You know, what's interesting to me is Moses is the object of their envy. And he hasn't actually done anything through most of this story. Um, the only thing that uh, you see Moses doing is he's described as a meek man, which I think is a key to everything that happens here. And then God steps in and says, let's deal with this. Bring you know Moses, Aaron, Miriam, let's all meet at the tent of meeting. I'll meet you there and we're going to hash this out. If you're the object of jealousy, much like Moses, you need to be defined by your meekness. Moses is laying out the path with which you can deal with this in a godly way, and it's through meekness. And you know what happens when you're meek? You don't really have to do so much. When you're a meek person walking with God, what we're seeing here is God's word, God's actions will uphold you. I don't necessarily think, though I'm not going to hold God back, he can do whatever he wants to do. I don't necessarily expect that God is going to come down at a pillar of cloud anytime someone's jealous of you if you're a meek person and defend you on the spot. But what I do learn from this is God does see meekness and he will defend those who are objects of jealousy that are living godly lives. Whether it's in the moment or if it's on the judgment day, God's going to say, you were meek. You were my servant. I'll defend that. Right? We know that God talks about the righteous in these terms. You know, we see in the book of Revelation, under the throne of God is all these, these people that have been killed for being Christians, for being godly people. And they're crying out, God, how long do we have to wait for you to avenge us? And you know what God says? Not long. God defends his people. And sometimes it happens in this life, like with Moses. And sometimes you're dead and you're under the throne of God, but you're with God. And he says, I will avenge you. I will make this right someday. But you're with God either way, right? And that's what matters. And so I think Moses shows us the path is meekness and the action is, I don't want to say inaction, but it's sort of letting God act, right? When jealousy is something that's come between you and someone else and they're jealous of you and there's envy there, be meek, let God speak for you and act for you 
don't take it into your own hands like they have. But then also, look at how this story continues to unfold. Miriam is being punished by God for her action. She becomes leprous. And Aaron sees Miriam. He turns towards her in verse uh, 10 there. And he sees that she's leprous. And Aaron says to Moses, now notice the tone change here. Oh, my Lord, do not punish us because we have done foolishly and have sinned. Why is he asking Moses that? Moses hasn't actually done anything. Isn't that interesting? I can't explain why it happens that way, but Aaron knows the meekness of Moses. He knows he's righteous. He knows God's defending him. And so it seems like he assumes Moses has requested this. I don't know that. It seems like that's a fair assumption. And you know what Moses does here in this moment? Look here at this verse. Aaron continues to explain. He says, please let her not be dead uh, as one dead whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes out of his mother's womb. Moses finally acts in this whole thing. This is his first action. And Moses cried to the Lord, oh God, please heal her, please. If you're the recipient of jealousy, I would encourage you to act like Moses and love your enemies, right? I mean, this is his sister. It's kind of hard to think about her as like the truest sense of an enemy. But in this moment, she has been dead set against Moses, spoken against him, complained against him, uh, said, is he not, are we not prophets like him? God's had to confront her. She's been punished for it. And so Moses could be justified in being like, you know, God did what he wanted to do. Like he's righteous and he made the right act here. You were in the wrong. But Moses has compassion on his sister, his enemy, right? And he pleads with God that he would heal her. If you're the object of some envy and jealousy, please, please be a meek person in those moments. I mean, you always need to be meek, but it's especially important when you're confronting temptation and trial that you have the character of God. You have the character of Moses here. Let God act. Let his words and his actions speak for you. But then ultimately... You're going to have a lot of opportunity to choose to either love or hate whoever's jealous of you through that exchange, through that relationship. Please manifest the spirit of Moses, which I believe is a godly one here, and plead and love your enemies. Plead for and love your enemies. Because they've made a mistake. Jealousy's in control. They have a false idea of us versus them, right? And they've also decided to take their own action. And so they're in a a dangerous place, just like physically for Miriam represented. She was in sin, and God was showing her by her body being eaten up with leprosy. It was a spiritual reality that was made plain on her skin. She was in trouble. And Moses recognizes this, and he pleads with God that it would not be so that he would heal her. So I'm going to give you a a couple of do's and don'ts, which I've already highlighted, but just for clarity, I'll say again. Three don'ts. Don't let your jealousy or jealous feelings control you. Don't view others as competition. Don't allow jealous feelings to become jealous actions. Just three simple don'ts. Do, here's three do's. Do let meekness control you. Do let God take the lead. And do love those who are feeling jealous. Three simple do's and don'ts for manifesting in your life the lessons learned in Numbers 12. Right? So I want to turn to one last passage as we're wrapping up here. 
James chapter 3. James chapter 3. And we're going to look in verses uh, 3 through 18 here. I was talking to Kirby about this last night. I would never think, oh, when I'm reading James chapter 3, that reminds me of Numbers 12. Uh, if you do, good for you, because you're a much more advanced Bible student than I am. But when I was reading uh, these verses, I was like, man, this is almost a parallel statements to the events that happened in Numbers 12. So beginning at verse 13 of James 3, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I think that's exactly a description of what happened in Numbers 12. Moses shows his good works in the meekness of wisdom, right? And Miriam and Aaron show their bitter jealousy and their selfish ambition from their hearts. And they, they lie and they do not boast of the truth, right? This is obviously, Miriam's act, Miriam and Aaron's actions are obviously uh, not from above, right? They're earthly, they're unspiritual, they're acting demonic. And where their jealousy and selfish ambition existed, did not disorder and evil things come from that? But did you notice the ending of this, verse 17 and 18? Wisdom from above, this explains, or this uh, is a good commentary on exactly how Moses acted. It was pure and peaceable and gentle and open to reason, full of mercy. That was exactly how Moses acted. He's very reasonable. He was very gentle, obviously very merciful, pleading on the behalf of his sister who was like attacking him left and right. And you know what he gets for that? Verse 18, a harvest of righteousness that's sown in peace by those who make peace. Moses ended up being a peacemaker in this whole situation. He had an opportunity, and rightly so. God's judgment came down on Miriam, and she suffered from leprosy. But Moses, being gentle and open to reason, having wisdom from above, pleaded on her behalf, and he sowed in peace righteousness and you know what he was able to reap from that righteousness and peace and so i think this is an interesting commentary you know if you look at numbers 12 that this is exactly how it unfolds it's a perfect demonstration in practical terms of this teaching and so as we are trying to wrestle with maybe you're the jealous one you have someone in your life or some situation that you have a lot of envy or jealousy and remember that didn't turn out so hot for miriam and aaron and in James chapter 3, we're learning that's still true. If you have jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, that's earthly. It's unspiritual. It's demonic. It can only lead you to, to disorder and evil practices. But you can turn into the Moses. 
You can learn to put that away. You can learn to be gentle and meek. You can learn to let God act. You can learn to love the people who still might struggle with that. So I'm going to offer this, a test for us. I've done this a few times in past lessons. I believe Richard's done this too. Just some questions. Um, And I phrased them in such a way that if if in your mind, right, just kind of think about these in your mind. If you answer yes to any one of these questions, you may be struggling with some jealousy in your life. So just think about it in those terms, all right? Do you determine your self-worth by comparing yourself to others? Do you speak evil of and complain about others? Do you tend to be at odds with others that you see as successful or popular? I could probably have made a lot more questions. I just did three just to give you an idea of the types of questions that you can ask yourself. If you answer yes to any one of those questions, you may be in the sin of jealousy and envy. And you're going to have to like be honest with yourself and try to root that out because the teaching in James chapter 3 and from Numbers 12 is God is opposed to that. That's an evil, unspiritual thing. And it's certainly not a demonstration of wisdom from God, wisdom from above. So I'd encourage all of us this morning, if sin is a part of your life, root it out. If you need the prayers of this group, um, ask for them. If you need to repent, make that known. Um, Certainly God is always open to repentance. He demands that of us. And so if this is your time that you've realized you need to repent, repent. Let God know about that. Let us know about it so we can pray for you. If there's anyone that wants to make that known to the group or someone to your left or your right, Um, While we're singing this time is the perfect time to, to do that. So we can, at the end of the singing, pray for you. So if there's anyone that fits into that category now, we'd ask that you think about that and consider those things while Blake leads us in song.